Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're Book Club for Games. And today we are. Today we're going to talk about... The Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom. I almost said Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom. T-O-T-K. So this is the part two. And there will be spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Everything will be spoiled. Ting will be spoiled because as usual, he hasn't finished the game. But he doesn't care about the story anyway, so it's okay. If you care about the story, maybe finish the game before you listen to this. But psych, you already downloaded it. So, you know, we're good. (laughs) Or be like Ting. Be like Ting. Don't care about anything. Nihilism. Don't care about anything. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. So we're going to talk about the world? Let's, no, no, let's do a quick status update. Yeah, yeah it's good. Okay, State yeah. the obvious. So I have finished the game. Between our part one ep and this ep, I think I've actually only played like 10 to maybe 15 hours more so i think i actually played like 80 something hours for part one and then for part two i've actually played like 10 to 15 so uh yeah but it was mostly just to keep things fresh in my mind so i didn't forget everything and i was trying to do it slowly because i was almost at the end already so i've just been eking it out over these (laughs) few weeks to keep it fresh how about you I've played around 30 hours. I've done only one temple, but I've done 25, 30 shrines. How, how much have you played in part one? Um, Not much. I mean, you, you've played a similar amount for each yeah. ep, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I have, yes. Okay. Well, the main thing is you have done a temple now, so we can talk about that. Yeah, now we're coming to the conclusion that the game reveals everything to me. Those four points of phenomena are it. No, I'm trying to read your... No, I mean, no. <laughs> just, no. Just like, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what, what I say. I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar to Breath of the Wild, but it's not exactly the same as Breath of the Wild. So, I like, love that reaction. You know. I hope you deploy that reaction in meetings. Uh, oh, no. oh, I do. How, no. how, do you, how do you think I've stayed employed this long? 
I just have I have just like wildly expressive facial reactions. This is it just works over Zoom as well. You know, deploy mic, deploy (laughs) mic, deploy mic's unimpressed face, deploy mic's surprised face, deploy mic's how can you be so stupid face, (laughs) and if and yet you're in this room, and yet you're in this room, but not for long. I'm very sorry to announce that. I'm kidding. It's going to be me next. Yeah. Anyway, I okay. So let's start off with the world. What What more is there to say than what we said last time? <sighs> it's how it all comes together, right? That's what's important here. I think open world games have just got too busy, and I think Tears Kingdom does it right. There's light direction, but there the 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 map isn't just flooded with prompts and objective markers, and when you explore, you have to make a conscious decision and also question yourself along the way. Like, is this right? Am I going the right way? Because that's I what mean, happened. What, there's no right way. There's no right or wrong way. Like, you really can just go anywhere and, and just make it work. And that's exactly what I did. I went northwest, then I decided to go northeast, and then I went back to northwest marker. Because the northwest marker was guarded by being in, was it a, a cold zone? Yeah, it's very cold. So I was just eating peppers, all chilies, chilies all the way through. And I'm thinking, oh, this is wrong. They did not expect me to do this. Surely they didn't expect me to be munching on a chili every three minutes. Well, and I think they did. <laughs> they did. Because <laughs> you know? they... Oh, sorry, I'm just thinking. I mean, like, I think three of the three of the four quests they they direct you to at the beginning of the game have temperature mechanics and once you get more established the temperature mechanics are just trivial because you've just got the right equipment to put on whatever so i think they do want you to do one of those first so that you have to you know have some challenge and think on your feet a bit and so you've got the Rito zone, which is cold. You've got the Goron zone, which is hot. And then the Gerudo zone is actually hot and cold. It's hot in the day and it's cold at night. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's pretty you're, cool. You're saying one of the zones has no temperature mechanics associated with it. Yeah, the, the Zora zone is is just wet. <laughs> it's That's just wet and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I should have... I should have gone there first. Well, I, I, I think to go there first. I think they encourage you to go to the Rito zone first. They actually. do. They do. Yeah, and and for good reason. I mean, basically, in in both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, the Rito power is the best power oh, okay. by by so far. And then, as I ascended the what the sky, yes. I, I, I had done it incorrectly. So I, I didn't even buy the right gear at this point. So as, as I was ascending the sky, I was still chomping on chilies. I mean, that would be annoying. It was really annoying. But it, once I committed to it, it was actually quite easy. Because uh, I think I had at this point, I think on the Great Sky Island, like the, like the tutorial zone, you can find some warm trousers. Yeah. In the same way that in the Great Plateau, you can find the warm doublet. You get some, like, 
warm ancient leggings or something. So yeah. you've got one piece of cold resistance gear, and then you've just got to buy one other piece from the Rito shop, and then you're good. Yes,、yeah, so、that's why I ultimately did. I just go shopping. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I thought you were a, an experienced gamer, Ting. I would have thought you'd have just seen Look, through this. I am. Look, let me. The thing is, when you play in ten minute chunks or fifteen minute chunks, you lose context. Yeah. Okay, I can believe that too. But I played the game in handheld mode, and it was fine. It was fine. I was just being lame before. Can I say that word? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Don't know anymore. We're, we're too old to know. We are too old to know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it in. Still, you journeyed up the mountain and followed those floating boats to the Stormwind Ark. That was a cool ascent. That was pretty epic. Yeah, that bit was cool. I enjoyed it. That was like that dialed it up. I really question like, am I doing this right? Is this what they wanted me to do? And there was huge payoff once you got in. You know, discovered where the temple was. Yeah, you like you jump on that last ship and it bounces you up into the air, and then you know like the sky clears because you're above the clouds and it's all like crisp and really cold, and you can see into the giant, you know, the storm. Bowl or whatever it is, and and there's the huge ship inside there. So let's talk about the temple. I mean, I'm just shaking my head. This is the thing. Like the temple, honestly, when I saw that, I was like, oh, so cool. And then when I landed on it and I activated it, and it was like, here are four points of interest. Is it four points of interest? Five points of interest. Here are some points of interest you've got to hit. You know, I I think it's between four and five for each temple, and it just tells you where they are. And you're like, go here and activate this thing. I'm like, seriously. Again, we're doing this again. Is is basically exactly like the Divine Beasts? Like, did they learn nothing?、Uh, it is weird because they absolutely do give you a unique power as a result of going to each temple in the form of the Sage Power. But the actual mechanics of the temple, you know, are exactly the same as. <laughs> As the breath of wild divine beasts, you know, you go in there and it tells you literally go here and activate this thing, and like you happen to activate that thing using the sage power, but it's it's there's no, I, I don't know, I, I feel like it completely missed the point of a classic Zelda temple.、Uh, let, let's talk about that.、Um, what would you want from a classic Zelda temple? Do do you just want a compass and a map, or do you want more? So okay, so. Some people, I think it's like, what does it mean to you to have a classic Zelda temple, right? And so, for people for whom it was unique theming and unique like style and look to the temple, unique music, those people are probably those people are probably satisfied because they're like, yeah, it was unique. What are you complaining about? But I feel like a major part of the temple is the is the exploration. Right, it's like exploration in a smaller scale, and it's like figuring out a puzzle box. And the weird thing is that the divine beasts and these temples actually do have that. It's just that they tell you the answer up front, and it's just like, why are you telling me where the terminals are? Why don't you just, why don't you just like drop me in the temple and then let me have to 
find a map and find the compass to show me where those points of interest are. So I can find them. And if I'm getting lost, then I can try and look for the compass and that will tell me where they are. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to... It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be in a map and a compass. Like you could just literally let me explore the temple and just figure out where the points of interest are. Like just don't, just don't tell me up front. Like I don't understand why they tell you up front. Okay, you just want to explore. You don't need a, a an intricate temple. Well, I do think I want it to be intricate, but I also think it's actually intricate enough. I think if they didn't tell you, here are where the things you have to activate are to finish the temple, that would be good enough. Like, I, I really think the temple design is is actually not bad either. They just shouldn't tell you go here and turn on the switch because that just turns it into a fetch quest, right? It should just be, here's the temple. There are four or five things you need to activate to, you know, turn on this central console and enable the temple. I don't know. Go find them. It's interesting. You're making very fair demands here. (laughs) What did you expect me to say? Something totally insane. Because I thought, in my list of what makes a classic temple, I added the classic items. Like I wanted a hookshot, a boomerang. Actually, that makes it very hard. Yeah, th- that's the thing. That's the thing. Like I think that this is like a cursed problem in game design kind of thing, right? Where you've got this fundamental tension that you've got, you've got, you've got two conflicting demands. I, I, I actually think you could do it as well, right? Like. In the temple where you get the sage power, right, instead of giving you the sage power up front, like they do in this one, they could have made it so that the sage is just following you around but doesn't have their power. And then they have to find their power in the temple. And then you use that power to solve puzzles in the temple. Like they could have done that. And then you would have the best of both worlds. But because they, they kind of actually give you that puzzle solving up front, right? Like Tulin's wind gust, you use that to get up to the temple in the first place. And it's similar for the other, for the other temples too. You're using that sage's power to get you to the temple. So that, that's kind of where they're doing that puzzle solving instead. And I think that that part of the game is really strong. Like I actually think the journeys to the temples are all really good and in many ways more fun than the actual temples themselves. But it's just a shame because the temples themselves could have also been that good if they just didn't tell you where the consoles were. Like, I don't understand why they tell you where to go because they don't do that for anything else in the game, right? Like everything else in the game, they just give you the vague direction. Like they're just like, okay, there's a main quest over here. Like here are the four main villagers for the main quests. That's it. You don't walk into a shrine and the shrine is like, you have to do this to solve this shrine. Like you walk into the shrine it tells you the name of the shrine, which often is a hint, and that's it. But why in the temple do you walk in and they tell you, go here and do this? I, want, I wonder if testing revealed that people just got lost. Screw those guys. <laughs> it's interesting. Just as a side note, you can, you can leave it. Let's leave this in. It's like, you're so decisive right now. Yet in your two years off, you were so indecisive. Yeah, I I actually think something's happened like just this. I actually think the terrible 14 hour days just this week have actually caused the resurgence of old Mike. It's strange. Oh dear. But yeah, it's painful. 
And yes. then one last question was, would you think they would ever make linear, a linear Zelda game? So that we can have these like intricate temples. Yeah, that, that I don't know. Because the, the fan base is split now, right? But the new Zelda fan base is bigger. Yes. So I, I don't know. And if you ask me which I enjoy more, it's weird, actually. I don't even know which I enjoy more. Because I think there's something kind of slightly fundamentally unsatisfying about both of them. I mean, I guess this is like a summary kind of thing. But like, I, I still think they, <laughs> they just need to get it perfect, right? It's so close. It's so close to being like totally harmonious and nothing in conflict. I just, I just, they just need to do this last little bit, you know? I mean, but they, they, they totally might do. They totally might do. Because I think it's also, actually, I was going to say, is it easier? Maybe it's not easier. I don't think it's easier at all. I think it is actually very hard to design a satisfying interlocking puzzle box temple, especially if you've got to do it like eight times. Well, only four times. <laughs> four times in this case, yes. Well, actually. Well, no, 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 you're right. It's still only really four. <laughs> what, what do you think of the sages? I don't know who the sages are. Oh. Well, honestly, actually, all the sages are kind of annoying other than Tulin. Like, Tulin is best burb. Everyone else is just kind of a pain. It's actually, it's actually kind of annoying because they could be really good, but it's just... Okay, so you know on the way up to the temple, you've got Tulin flying around you, right? And you yes. can use his gust to push you forward. Yep. And when you finish the temple and he gets the secret stone and you shake hands with him, you get like a phantom Tulin following you around, right? You get this like sage power and all of the other temples are the same. On the way to the temple, the actual person is helping you out. So it's uh, Unobo for the Gorons, Sidon for the Zora and Riju for the Gerudo. And then when you finish the temple, they get a secret stone and then their shadow is, their, like, you know, phantom is following you around too. So you've literally got like this small army of people following you around. So Tulin is fine because you mostly use him when you're in the air and then it's just him flapping about. And it's very easy to activate him when you want to activate him. But the others, they're all just like your entourage and they're just like running around and trying to get out of your way and they're getting in your way. And then you want to activate one of them and you activate the wrong one. And then like it's just chaos breaks out. Like I've tried to, I've tried to like pick up a bomb flower, for example, in, in the depths and I'm just spamming the A button. And instead of picking up the bomb flower, I'll accidentally activate Unobo, who will then like Goron smash like straight forward in the ball into the bomb flower and cause a massive explosion and kill me, you know? <laughs> Or I'll be trying to use Riju's power to like, like lightning strike something and I'll run up and try and activate her and she's just running away from me and I'm just like chasing after him going like, no, 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 we need the lightning bolt now. And she's just running away from me going like, oh, I'm trying to get a better angle as enemy. And I'm just like, no, stand still so we can lightning strike the enemy, you know. So it's a cool idea, but it's really annoying other than Tulin, who is great. And then actually, yeah, there's a fifth one. Surprise. There's actually a fifth temple. Okay. 
So that's why I was making the face because you've got the four villagers that you'd expect. Minoru, the Zonai, is actually the fifth sage and she's a battle mech. Like, seriously, you you go and have to rebuild her. You You have to build her a battle mech body and then her spirit inhabits the body and then you've literally got this like battle mech tromping around after you and then you can climb on top of Minoru and just take direct control of this battle mech. So cool and unexpected. Well, actually, I did it out of order, but I do think the spirit temple, the, you know, the finding the mech factory and then building the mech and then riding the mech to, to get Minoru's secret stone. I think that was actually one of the best bits of the game like that was really really fun and cool and it was a surprise right because you're not expecting a fifth one did, did you do any more geoglyphs i think that was the other thing i i wanted to mention again because i i really liked that as well uh, yeah you just find them along the way yeah and i found the map so i do have the map somewhere okay what, what do you like tell me what you like exactly about the geoglyphs I think I just, I I just wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know the story, and it just gave me a way to chase down the story. It it wasn't a I must do this to finish the game. It was like a purely self motivated thing. I think that's what made it so good. It, it you know it wasn't like in a in a mass effect kind of style game which this kind of superficially resembles right it's like here are the four quests and then you can do the final quest right and this game does have that structure except that it's optional whereas this was self-motivated i did this because i wanted to do it not because this was the required gate to be told where the end of the game is and i think i personally got too hung up on trying to pass all the gates like maybe you know, it's not like I didn't enjoy the game, but I think I actually probably would have enjoyed it more if I had just organically decided, which I did, like, go and get the geoglyphs, figure out where the Master Sword is, get the Master Sword, and then, like, oh, I found Ganon. I, instead of backing off and being like, I'm going to do the other gates before I fight him, I should have just been like, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to finish the game now. That probably would have been a better journey and a better story. But instead, my min-maxing gamer instincts kicked in, and I was just like, and I must see all of it, you know? So, do you think you could have beaten Ganon? I mean, if you just went straight for him? Um, actually, no. It would have been a struggle. Like, I would not have done it first time for sure. Because uh, now I know actually what happens in that battle. And also, I know what happens if you haven't done all the temples. It would have been extremely difficult. Like, I would definitely have had to reload an earlier save and go and gear up some more and try it again. But that would have been a cool story rather than going off, doing all the other temples, and then just curb stomping him kind of thing. Well, I mean, actually, it wasn't that simple even. So, I mean, I, I, I didn't absolutely dominate the fight, but I just had so many resources that it didn't matter. I just kept, like chugging potions and eating food so it was fine but if i if i'd had to do it at that point it would have been a really cool and epic battle and it would have genuinely been a struggle and i think that would have been i think that would have been better right it would have been a better experience and a better like personal journey to have gone on for the game too so in a way i have no one to blame but myself 
Like the game definitely gives you that potential. Let's talk about moments. Yeah, I mean, this is one that I actually probably should have mentioned last time, but when you first find a shrine, you know, in Breath of the Wild, you activate the shrine, door opens, you stand on the lift and it takes you down, right? In this one, you activate the shrine, the door opens, you walk into the door and the camera just follows you through the door and it's it's like you've gone through a portal and for a moment i thought holy crap is there no loading zone but there is a loading zone but but just imagine like a switch to breath of the wild type game where there's no loading zone into the shines wait but it's a loading screen yeah it's, i mean it it does you know you walk into the shrine and it it loads whereas in breath of the wild it was a lift well it was still right? a still a screen it still like goes dark and loads and then but there's a, is it a loading screen with a, a, a tip on it? I think, yeah, you know what? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really recall exactly. No, rather, you know, I'm just thinking, oh, I'd rather a lift and not having a tool tip appear. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just saying the, the, the thought of there being literally oh, no yeah. loading at all is enticing. Like I... There was a moment when I thought there was going to be nothing at all. And then my mind was about to blow up. But unfortunately, there definitely is a loading zone. So I was I was disappointed by the loading screen. I mean, even if you could hide the loading screen, that would mean enough for me. I, I, I think Switch 2. Switch 2, maybe. <laughs> I think it's just too unfair that they let you look into the shrine from outside. Well, but the the shrine that you can see from the outside, it turns out, is just a generic entryway, right? It, oh, okay. it doesn't It doesn't show you the actual shrine. It it fooled me. Yeah, but that's the thing. The, it fooled, the first time it fooled me too, I was just like, wait a minute. But yeah, it doesn't really work. I mean, I can I can see why also they wouldn't do it because for obviously for technical reasons and also even gameplay reasons. But very cool. Almost. Anything? I mean, oh well. So many more physics trines. Yeah, it's funny. They've managed to make two entire games about physics jank now. With various levels of jank. <laughs> it's jank used in the lightest way though, right? It's it's rare that it's janky. Yeah, I think it's just funny that who'd have thought 
that Zelda would turn out to be one of the like premier physics game <laughs> franchises. Yep. And then, all right, you didn't find the Master Sword. No, I didn't. Do you do you have any idea where it is? No. Okay. Well, we'll get to a little bit later in the <laughs> in the episode, but finding the Master Sword that was a cool moment, and then. Yeah, this time, you know, because I actually had like five hearts at this point and I was like, oh, I probably am not going to be able to pull out the Master Sword, but I'm just going to give it a go anyway. And this time, the Master Sword stat check is actually stamina, not hearts. And I had just been pouring all of my upgrades into stamina. So actually, I did have enough stamina and I was able to get the Master Sword. So that was that was also cool. That's super cool. And it was a cool cutscene as well that that plays when you get the Master Sword. So you got it early. Mm, I mean, define early, but yeah, I got. I mean, I got. You can get it whenever. I think there's. But you have to have enough stamina. The, yeah, you have to have enough stamina. I think stamina it takes shrines, two. It takes two full wheels of stamina to pull the Master Sword. I'm not sure how many shrines that is. Is a stamina container a quarter of the circle? I yeah, it's a quarter or a fifth. Oh, it might be a fifth. Okay, that's 20 then. Yeah, it's maybe 20 shrines. Okay, okay. Ish. And they, there's actually two, like, breadcrumb trail quests that can lead you to the Master Sword as well. There's actually two ways to do it. And of course, you don't actually need a quest. Like, once you know where it is, you can just go there and get it. But in terms of where it is, yeah, there are two quest lines that will tell you where to go which was also an interesting uh, design decision. Yeah, okay. And then there's the Thunderhead Island. So there's the big Thunderdome, like storm dome thing around the Rito arc, right? But in the south of the map, there's a big thunderstorm there as well. And I just decided to go there and it is like freaking terrible. Like <laughs> There's like zero visibility, permanent lightning storms. Anytime you pull out a metal item, you just get struck by lightning and you can really only see like 10 meters ahead of you. So I was just like stumbling around in this like intense rainstorm, getting like shot at by constructs and, and things. And trying to like blunder my way through these like thundery islands. And then eventually, yeah, activating this console that basically led to the mech construction factory and the fifth sage. So uh, that was, that you, was a cool moment. Did you do that out of order? Yes, you did. You said you did that out of order. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, so this was out of order because I just decided to go there and explore. And... I later discovered that the intended order is you do the four sages, you get the mission to go to Hyrule Castle, you go to Hyrule Castle, blah, 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 blah. Eventually you get to the ring ruins at Kakariko Village. It tells you to go to this other place and you can basically dissipate the thunderstorm, long story short. like There's a whole quest line that leads you to dissipating the thunderstorm around those islands. And then the islands themselves are like a sort of like a dungeon in themselves right it's like a combat gauntlet to get to the end but you can also just go there while the thunderstorm is up it turns out cool and, and make it so uh that was yeah it was fun 
I also got some unique weapons. So I think I've got the big Goron sword. I actually, I haven't picked it up, but I've got the, I know exactly where the fierce deity link sword is and I have all the requirements for it. But the thing is like, I've got too good to use syndrome because the weapons break and I just, you know, I've been basically just stashing the unique weapons at my house because uh, you, you can build a house. Actually, yeah, that's another cool moment where you don't just buy a house. You can modularly build a house using ultra hand out of out of blocks in Tarrytown. And so like I've bought a bunch of weapon storage rooms and I'm just storing unique weapons in there because they're too good to use. Although you can you can buy them back. There is a mechanic for buying them back if you use them and they break. But uh, I still think it's a bit sad. It is a bit sad. It should be fixed, not bought. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it's like cursed game design problem. They've got to do something, right? Fix them, repair them. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it would have been better if they'd had you know i mean if if all of the decayed weapons broke fine but like it once you found a non-decayed version of a weapon if it just didn't break i think that would have been you know i think that would have been way better but you know the entire game is built around this breaking and fusing and everything mechanic so yeah it's tough or you could repower the weapon with a fuse like fuse it fuse it with another item and then the item expires not sure, not sure, not the best idea, actually. Yeah. Uh, you may have seen a little bit of this, but Lookout Landing kind of changes a little bit as the game goes on. Like, not physically, but new people show up. Like, as you as you complete each, you know, village quest, people from that village show up in Lookout Landing. And it's it's quite nice, actually. It makes it, makes it feel more alive. I like the you know, the progression. You know, it's like equivalent to having you know your house or a throne room where you can just add artifacts as you progress. Oh, and then the Yiga quest line that was also cool and unexpected because you know, like the Yiga clan are in this, right? And they were just kind of they were just kind of a bit annoying in Breath of the Wild, and yeah, they're and they're just still, a nuisance. Yeah, I mean, they're still a bit of a nuisance in this, but it's also funny because. There are Yiga hideouts where you can you can get pieces of the armor and once you've got the full Yiga set, you can disguise yourself and then like join the Yiga clan. <laughs> like you can just go into their hideout and like you can you can learn the earthquake technique. So like when you don't have a weapon in your hand, you can just like charge up your fist and like slam it into the ground and like attack things with this, you know, exploding fist technique and stuff. It's actually like it's actually pretty cool. Like I enjoyed that, you know, the well, hunting down the pieces of the armor and then going and learning, you know, learning this tech. Quick question. Mm. Wiki or no wiki? Oh, uh, no wiki. Legend. Yeah. It's one of those again, it's in it's in game. It's actually in game. You can find a map of the bases, like the Yiga bases, and take a photo of it and then refer to it for like, where's the next one? Zelda is one of the few games where I think I I go with no wiki as well. I should do it for all games, really. I, I think usually I try and play no wiki. And then when I've played like enough TM of the game, then I bust out the wiki. Okay. 
Oh yeah, and then finding Ganon. So this this was actually a really cool moment, and I really, you know, as I said earlier, I should have just persisted with it and just gone for the ending because I. I jumped down under Hyrule Castle because, you know, I told you I went to Hyrule Castle like right at the beginning of the game and I, and I went back there for, for other reasons later on. And I dropped down into the depths underneath it and it's like, it's in like a little bowl. And I was just like, oh, how do I get to the rest of the depths from here? And it looked like there was like a tunnel to the south. And so I started just going through this like, you know, tunnel entrance under Hyrule Castle, thinking it was going to lead me to the rest of the depths. But it just kept getting more and more extreme. Like, the enemies just kept getting tougher and tougher. And, like, it started, like, showing me enemies that I had, like, literally never seen before. You know, like, there was a Silver Lionel, and then there were, like, Silver Bokoblins, and then I'd, I'd never seen the Gibdos at that point in the game yet. But then it, there was like a, just a corridor full of these Gibdos. And I was just like, what is going on? And then when I got through that corridor, I realized I was standing in the room with the mural from the start of the game, you know, where you and Zelda are looking at the mural that they discover under Hyrule Castle. And then I was just like, oh, I know where I am. And then, you know, go through the next passageway and you're in the ceiling chamber. And at that point I was like, this is the end of the game, isn't it? And I jumped down into this massive pit where you'd last seen dehydrated Ganon. And I mean, you've got to keep going, but it leads to the, it leads to like the heart of the gloom kind of thing. And yeah, you got to fight Ganon. Well, actually, so I didn't actually get to the Ganon fight at that point. I just, I, I actually did save it. I tried the first part of the fight and then I reloaded it and pieced out. But also, if I'd been not an idiot, I should have left a travel medallion there. Uh, and I didn't. So when I did go for the ending, I had to do all of this again. And it's quite a mission, honestly. But finding that early and, and then being like, oh, duh, of course this is where Ganon is. But like, it didn't actually occur to me that this is where he would be until I until I saw that mural and then I was like wait a minute I know where I am that was a cool moment and also of course once you're back in that mural room you can break the rocks and you can see the rest of the mural and you can see yeah there's one of Ganon and all the sages fighting Ganon and then there's one of the light dragon so yeah, it's cool. And, and the actual Ganon fight is like a mission because if you if you haven't, well, ba basically you first have to fight like his army, which is difficult. And also there's the gloom effect. So like if you get hit, you lose that heart container. So that itself is a challenge if you're not well geared. And also if you haven't done the village associated with it you have to fight the boss from that temple so if you've done all the temples then the bosses show up and then all of your sage buddies are like don't worry we've got this and they and they fight the bosses for you like off camera but if you haven't done that temple then you have to fight the boss so it's a boss gauntlet as well and then there's the actual ganon fight which is itself like a three three four like multi-stage fight which is again like kind of weirdly reminiscent of elden ring but 
more cinematic than Elden Ring. Like, Elden Ring is like hard, right? This is this is, I think, not as difficult just because of the the way the combat works in you know in Tears of the Kingdom. But it is strangely reminiscent because you know, in the same way that you're fighting Radagon and then Radagon becomes the Elden Beast, you're fighting Ganon. And then there's there's some cool moments in the fight actually because you like you fight Ganon, and then he turns into like Demon King Ganon where he activates the power of the Secret Stone, and then his health bar just like keeps just keeps growing until it covers like the entire screen kind of thing, which is like kind of comical. And then when you beat him, he actually turns into a dragon. He actually turns into like the Demon Dragon, and you have to fight this dragon as well. So it, it's kind of similar in a way to the Radigan Elden Beast fight. How do you feel about that boss finale, boss rush mechanic? I think it's good. I, I honestly think it's good. It's, it's also a way of making it so that it's not trivial to just go to the end of the game, right? Like, yeah, it's quite clever. In, in Breath of the Wild, I think that the, the blights, yeah, it, was sim- it was kind of similar because you, you had to fight the blights in Hyrule Castle, but I think these bosses are tougher and the army fight again at the beginning is tougher. Like all of it is actually harder, I think. And then the actual Ganon fight is, well, in some ways easier, but it's still cool. And, you know, it is cinematic and like it's like a duel right like you and him are fighting and in the same way that you can dodge and parry and flurry rush he can actually do that too that's the cool thing about that fight like you're both you know like you're in the second part of the fight you will attack him and then he will dodge and then you have to parry his follow-up attack to actually get the hit in so once you know what's going to happen, it's it's fairly straightforward. But the first time it happens, it's like, whoa, like, I, I didn't know bosses were allowed to dodge as well. You know, like, that's my thing. And also when he, you know, you know, at the start of the game, you've got, you know, in the in the prologue, you have all the heart containers and then you get gloomed and they all like shatter. So if you get hit by Ganon, like some of Ganon's attacks, he doesn't just gloom the heart container. It actually shatters the heart container. So you lose it for good. So that's also another cool moment. I mean, the thing is, is, it's not as dangerous as it sounds because he doesn't do that many of those attacks. But when it happens, it's like, oh, it's cool. Like the stakes have been raised, right? Like it seems like a much, like a much bigger thing. That's cool. Story. Yep. Let's move on to the story. 
So how much do you know? Zelda's gone back in time. And they're dragons. One of them is and which is Zelda? One of them which is that one of them is Zelda? Yes. There are it's not a was it it's not the Triforce, it's Tears, is that right? They've just Yeah, where is the Triforce in all of this? They've just kind of forgotten about the Triforce. Yeah. <laughs> like the Triforce is old hat. We've we've got Tears now. Yeah. They're like so Japanese Magatama or something, but yeah. So Zelda has a tier of time, but there's more than one tier of time. Well, I don't think there is a tier of time as such. I think there oh. just are these secret stones. In fact, actually, is it even the tiers? Right? Yeah, this is the question. Like, what are the tiers of the kingdom? You know, I don't think the stones are the tiers. I think there are okay. these. I think there are these secret stones, and the stone when it's picked up by a sage it like gets you know the symbol carved on it and changes color and zelda's sage power happens to be time but she's also got light like she's got two sage powers but but the tear seems to have activated on time because if you think about it at the start of the game there's that arm holding down ganon and the tear that she has falls off that arm, right? So she's holding what was a light stone previously, but it becomes a time stone after she picks it up. And it, yeah, she goes back in time. And then, yeah, you had seen a few more geoglyphs. You've got a bit more context to the story. Yes, I have. But you don't really care about the story. Not really. Yeah, I mean, it's also, I think it is actually still quite a simple story at its heart, right? It's not like all this stuff I was complaining about with Diablo 4 where it just felt ridiculous. Like, basically, you've got, you've got Ganon is bad. Why is he bad? He's just bad. He's just bad. He just, he just wants to be bad, you know? That's it. They, they don't give him any motivation. They're just like, no, nah, he's evil. Duh. You know? <laughs> Why does he want to destroy everything? Because he does. So that keeps it nice and simple. And we're all allowed to hate Ganon, you know, because he's bad. It's just, it's just established tautologically. And that's it. And we're all, we're all trying to stop Ganon. And we've been trying to stop him in the past. And now we're trying to stop him in the present. You know, so there's a cool bootstrap paradox thing going on, right? Because at the very beginning of the game... Ganon knows who you and Zelda are, but you have no idea who he is or who Roru is, right? Because he mentions, like, he mentions Roru. And holding him down at the beginning is actually Roru's arm. And then, yeah, Zelda gets the stone from that. You get the arm, surprisingly. Like, literally, your arm is replaced by this arm. And that's it now go and fight ganon and yeah if you watch all the geoglyphs it is revealed to you that there's the imprisoning war or whatever it's kind of like a weird is it or is it not retcon or reboot or something the zelda timeline as usual like in the wider timeline context something's going on they don't really explain it that's fine you know but yeah this is like first meeting it, it it's sort of retelling the story of ocarina of time it's sort of retelling the story of link to the past 
it's sort of referencing all the previous Zelda games. I don't know. But like in this game specifically, yeah, Ganon is bad. He is trying to destroy the kingdom. And yeah, Roru, first king of Hyrule. Sonya is killed. Ganon gets her secret stone, becomes a demon king. A bunch of sages team up with Roru to fight Ganon and actually lose. And Roru sacrifices himself to seal Ganon. So they're like, they're like trapped in eternal struggle kind of thing. And that is, you know, the aftermath of that is what you find underneath Hyrule Castle, where Roru's body, I guess, has just like decayed and all that's left is his arm. And there's Ganon's dehydrated body there. And cue the start of the game. So, yeah, that's my very quick story summary. Uh, also, no one seems to wear shoes in the past. I find this very strange. Or maybe maybe only Hylians wear shoes because like Rory's wearing no shoes, but he kind of floats around, I guess. Minoru wears no shoes. The Ritu wear no shoes. Sidon's wearing no shoes. Goron's wear no shoes. I don't know. A surprising number of people don't wear shoes. I, I don't know why I picked up on this, but I did. Oh, yes. And then there's the Chekhov's gun of one of the geoglyph cutscenes is Zelda and Roru going to talk to Minoru and asking about how Zelda can get back to her own time and she says the only way she can think of is to take the long way around which is just to like wait thousands of years as an immortal dragon so if she eats the secret stone she'll turn into a dragon but she'll also like lose herself in the process and of course like massive Chekhov's gun like why would you tell us that if someone isn't going to turn into a dragon. And when you, when you eventually, so basically when you watch all the geoglyphs, you see a cutscene of the light dragon flying around and like a single tear drops from its eye and lands, it, it, and it lands on the ground and it makes a new geoglyph. And if you go there and watch that new tear cutscene, Yes, you get to see Zelda, well, you know at the very beginning of the game as well, like you put the Master Sword into like this portal and it goes back in time or it, it disappears, right? So that is a time portal and Zelda picks up the Master Sword and she remembers a conversation she had with the Deku Tree where the Deku Tree tells her that the Master Sword, its power comes from absorbing like holy light and the more light it absorbs, the stronger it becomes. And so she sees the broken Master Sword and realizes that in order to defeat Ganon, she has to make the Master Sword, well, she has to repair the Master Sword and make it stronger. And that she's got these light powers so she can repair the Master Sword over thousands of years. And so she decides that she's going to become an immortal dragon and repair the Master Sword so that it is repaired back in the present. And so she eats the secret stone and she turns into the light dragon. And the Master Sword is basically on the Light Dragon's head. And as she is turning into the Light Dragon, you see it cry these, like, however many tears that turn into the geoglyphs. So I think those are the tears of the kingdom. Okay. Yes. Anyway, there you go. So that's the story. I quite liked it. It sounds good. Yeah, I and I really enjoyed having that you know, self-motivation to see all the geoglyphs and find out what happened. And then the reward of like, oh, here's, here's an extra one. 
here's what happened to Zelda. Psych! It was Zelda all along. So G-Glyphs as a, as a way to tell the story rather than the whole mechanic of finding these markings on the land, in the world, to track the tear, that's not as important. I, it's the fact it's self-contained and to the side. You could, you could play the whole game and not do any of that, right? You, you totally could. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think funny things to mention are, number one, it is not explained where all the Sheikah tech went, you know, like it's not a small amount of stuff to have disappeared, like literally over a hundred shrines, the shrine of resurrection, all the towers, all the guardians, all the divine beasts, like all of it's just gone with no explanation. It's like literally like it was never there at all. I think that's a bit weird. I mean, that's like a massive continuity issue, but at the same time, I guess no one really cares. Like Nintendo certainly Nintendo certainly care more about making a fun game than about continuity. So, I guess fair enough. But still funny that it's totally not explained. And then yeah, Link is like a hundred years old. Zelda is like many thousands of years old now. Like, is this okay? Kind of surprising. Oh, and then also in the ending, yeah, just for no particular law reason, you get your original arm back. Zelda gets turned back into a human, a Hylian. So she's no longer a dragon. There's no particular law reason. It's just like, don't worry, magic. Which I guess is okay because it's magic. But still, happy ending. Okay, so to summarize, Hyrule back to back disasters, right? Like I I enjoyed that it was a direct sequel to the game, but it's funny that like literally we just fixed this, you know, and now it's broken again. It was cool that it recontextualized like the entire like the entire first game, right? Like Dark Beast Ganon at first was like, oh, this is cool. This is like an interesting reimagining of what Ganon is, right? But then it's like, it turns out it's just because Ganon's a mindless beast because it was just the mindless gunk leaking out of the real Ganon. Surprise! And so we get a traditional Ganon as well. I mean, it was cool, but I also wonder... Well, I was actually wondering, like, where do we go from here? But then maybe we don't go anywhere. Like, I kind of would like to see these characters again, but they've said they have no plans for DLC because they're just they're kind of out of ideas for the moment. It was kind of the subtext. <laughs> more story means more opportunities for there be plot holes for Mike to discover. I just, I mean, I think. I, I, the thing is, they they kind of gave us all the DLC up front, right? Like they they gave us basically all of Breath of the Wild's DLC one in the base game, 
So like the hero's path and all the armor sets and everything from that, that original DLC are in the base game. So, you know, I don't really want to complain because we got it for free. And given the state of the games industry right now, that's actually pretty generous. But I, I still think if they made DLC, it would sell. Like they could literally throw some crap together and people would buy it, right? So that's not the question. That's not, that shouldn't be the question. The question is, what DLC would you want and would you buy? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's the thing. It's it's hard to make another big bad villain at this point. You want you want story DLC. You don't just want mechanics. Or game extension DLC. Yeah, I would like story DLC. I I think they could, I think they could make another mini continent for you to explore. Like they could be, they could just like add another sky island, even higher in the sky or something, right? Like they could, there could be more. Like they, you could go to like because the Zonai descended from the sky, right? In law reasons, you could go, you could find the ruins of the Zonai civilization or something. Like you could find what happened to the Zonai. At some point, you're just going to go into space. You could go into space. You're right. Let's go into space. Hyrule Space Program. That would be amazing. Imagine you've just got a you've got an ultra hand rocket. together, <laughs> like an actual spaceship, and get and get into get to space. This would be. You see, there's options, Nintendo. Please, DLC. Hyrule Space Program. It writes itself. Come on. And then, yeah, my, my other comment in a similar vein was, will we get a third game? Because, you know, things come in threes, except they don't actually when it comes to Zelda games. Because Zelda games with direct sequels, it is generally twos, isn't it? We had Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. We had Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. Is there another one? Regardless, I can't think of a three. Yeah. But if we had a three, it could be red themed. This is all I've got. This is, this is literally all I've got. Unless unless we go to space. Because Breath of the Wild's color scheme was predominantly blue. And this one's kind of green. So, you know, I think we deserve a red game. You know, okay. we deserve, we deserve a red, red one. And then you also need some crazy mechanic just to tack on to it. Yeah, what, was, could, what could they do? Uh, I was thinking you just... I just look at Odyssey for inspiration, but Odyssey is just a mess. I would say Odyssey is a mess. They, they should make it a cover shooter. It should be set <laughs> another... It should be set another few thousand years in the future. Zelda can have Roru's job, and then we can have another link with the Master Carbine or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm really clutching at straws here. I don't know. So looking at what we've done in the past, they could just go Majora's Mask on it. But then God, could everyone work? But they should just, you. that's the thing. We should just go to another continent. Just go to another continent. Because they, they do finally imply that there is a world outside Hyrule. I mean, they've actually always implied that. But literally, Sidon's fiance in this game says that she comes from another another domain implying that there's another fish city somewhere that's not in Hyrule so you know let's just go there the change of locale does not make a new game Mike 
I mean, it would make good DLC, but it, it would it could totally be a new game. I mean, that's the thing. Let's just make it again, but with a different map. That's what we do. Yeah, I know. I'm. I know. I know. I know. People were saying. People were saying like, "Oh, I just I don't want like big DLC for Breath of the Wild, right?" But like, I actually kind of did want big DLC for Breath of the Wild, so that's why I was fine with it. You can't please everyone. You you just have to please me. So, what's surprising is that this iteration of the open no these iterations of the open world zelda has really caught an audience has captured an audience do you know that actually i don't have the latest stats so these stats are correct as of two weeks ago one to two weeks ago maybe even longer after the edit so I don't have I won't have the up to date Tears of the Kingdom numbers, but Breath of the Wild sold thirty two point three five million units. Tears of the Kingdom sold eighteen point five one million units. That's as of I would say early September. Okay. And then Ocarina, Ocarina of Time sold fourteen point zero four million units. You can see that Breath of the Wild sold twice as many as Ocarina of Time. I, th- I think it's also the games industry is just bigger now as well, though. Not t- twice as big. I don't... Zelda was not a, their biggest selling franchise, surely. Not like this. I would never have said, oh, Zelda's mainstream. Well, no, while... They're going to make a Zelda movie now. <laughs> while, I, while I don't disagree with you, how many copies has Mario Kart sold? Because isn't Mario Kart 8 the biggest selling Switch game? Oh, it's it's hundred million. Yeah, oh, it's that's some too insane many. What kind of a number is it, that? No, no, no. But it's some insane. I think it, I think it's like fifty or sixty million. It, it, I know it's some huge number. It's, I reckon it's more than that. I reckon at least if there are like hundred and ten million switches, hundred twenty million switches, maybe sixty million, sixty million at least half, at least half. A, a quick Google suggests fifty-five million. So I mean, so that is literally half of switches. Yeah, doesn't guarantee. I don't think just because your install base is massive doesn't guarantee you a a lot of sales. I don't take we shouldn't take it for granted. Yeah, I, it's definitely interesting, right? Because what kind of person plays Zelda, you know, versus something like Mario Kart? So, I guess Zelda is a more core gamer kind of game whatever that means these days but yeah does you know does it have more because things we haven't had a traditional zelda right for a while so it's hard to do a direct comparison but i think sales numbers had been declining for the zelda series until breath of the wild which was a massive shot in the arm yes and then Tears of the Kingdom has obviously been out for much less time than Breath of the Wild. So will it surpass it in sales numbers? Will it not? I don't know. Because usually sequels don't do quite as well as their as their original. But then you could also argue, like, is there any reason to play Breath of the Wild now that Tears of the Kingdom exists? Because Tears of the Kingdom is kind of a more polished... But, like, everything that you get in Breath of the Wild, you kind of get in Tears of the Kingdom... Just, just more and more polished. Other than getting lasered in the face by a guardian, I thought it was inevitable that Tears of the Kingdom would surpass Breath of the Wild. But you might be right. No, I, I think it probably will, but, but I don't know. 
it's basically i think everyone who played breath of the wild and liked it probably will get tears of the kingdom but then what is the percentage of people who got breath of the wild and wanted a traditional zelda and are like nah i'm out or people who never bought a zelda game in the past at all and then they're like okay well i may as well go straight to tears of the kingdom because it's the more polished iteration of basically the same game but i don't say that in a bad way metacritic says the the original was the better game yeah but metacritic come on (laughs) i i think in many ways as well tears of the kingdom yeah i mean that's the thing i think tears of the kingdom is the better game but it does suffer from some of the same problems as breath of the wild which is to say the pacing i mean actually it's very hard to get this right you know the, the game starts out it can be quite difficult but then it just becomes really easy apart from a few like choice encounters like you know like the actual moment to moment gameplay is mostly like fights are completely trivial once you you know once you get a good way into the game apart from specific encounters like silver lionels or gliox or whatever but then again if you're really good at the game maybe they're trivial too you know i'm just brute forcing them by gear and just like all the Koroks, all the shrines. Like at some point, it feels like a bit of a checklist rather than I'm doing this because I want to. But obviously, you don't have to do it. So I I do think they deserve credit for adding the sky and adding the depths while keeping the original base map. Like I really enjoyed that. Like I really enjoyed revisiting Hyrule after we saved it but still having, you know, this new area of the sky and that they managed to keep the secret of the depths. I think that was amazing that they didn't reveal that through all the marketing materials up to now. And the depths, you know, the depth is much bigger than the sky in terms of actual playable area. Plus, again, they never really say it, but the depths, well, I mean, they do say it eventually, but it's it's not immediately obvious to you that the depths is a mirror of the surface. So the depths really is like the dark world from Link to the Past. It's it's literally like an inverted topologically surface world. And features that are in one world are in the other, but in a sinister way, you know. Or the shrines are light roots, so on, so on. So is it possible to ascend from the depths? Yes, in certain places, yes. So like to give a concrete example, the Korok forest is like covered in spooky miasma and you can't you can't go into it from the surface. So you know in Breath of the Wild like if you try and get into the Korok forest you get like turned around, but there's a certain way you can go in, you have to follow the torches and whatever. You can't do that in Tears of the Kingdom. The only way into the Korok Forest until you solve the puzzle is get under it in the depths and then at certain places in the depths, like the Korok Forest, there are pillars that lead all the way from the depths up to the surface and you can stand underneath one of these pillars and ascend through it and it will take you to the surface. So that's how you can pop out in the middle of the Korok Forest and then you have to cleanse it and then that will remove the weird miasma and that, in fact, is the other way to learn where the Master Sword is, because the Deku Tree also knows where the Master Sword is. 
oh and my prediction about there being like a bubble somewhere like a thing you can only get to by ascending through it that's actually the deku tree's mouth it turns out so <laughs> i i thought there'd be more places like this but i think that's the only one despite them saying they didn't take any inspiration from Elden Ring I do feel that there's a lot of parallels with Elden Ring I I, it might just be convergent evolution it might be just that they were going for the same underlying thing but I like that they don't hold your hand like they give you some hints of like hey you should go here but you don't have to follow those hints at all like they won't stop you going somewhere else and if you want to pig-headedly just not do what they tell you then apart from the mandatory tutorial part at the beginning of the game, you don't have to do what they tell you. And I'm sure they did it deliberately. The fact that you don't, you know, how do you get off the Great Sky Island? You would assume they'd give you the paraglider, right? But they don't. You get the paraglider later. And I'm sure that's deliberate so that you can play the game without the paraglider if you want, just to be as pig-headed as possible. And I believe it is possible to finish the game without the paraglider like you can literally go from completing the tutorial directly to ganon it is just ludicrously hard because you have to do ridiculous things to make it down into the depths without the paraglider but it is possible and then the you know ganon's army and then the boss rush incredibly hard especially if you've got no gear but it is technically possible like i'm pretty sure i found a youtube video of someone doing it but it took them like 18 hours of attempts to do it like it's that hard but they did it so i think that is cool can you miss auto build as well yeah it's totally optional i mean if you can miss the paraglider for sure you can miss auto build okay and then, you know, for all we've talked about, there's actually a lot more we haven't talked about too. Like there are way more quests. Some of them are quite big as well. Like there's a whole quest line in Hatino about electing a new mayor. There's a whole sequence of quests about like this newspaper. Like, you know, there's, there's some quite big and long and connected quest lines that are pretty fun that we you know that we haven't mentioned. But yeah, it's a really good game. Did you complete all the side quests that you came across? Mm, I mean, I all, all I, I think I actually think I haven't done all the newspaper quests because I think I actually haven't found all of the stables. I think there must be a stable that I haven't found on the map somewhere, and thus I haven't done the newspaper quest for it. So, but you're, but you're trying to do as much as there is in terms of quests. You're not saying, "Oh, I, this quest has started," but I'm consciously going to skip it. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing most of the ones I come across. I mean, there there are ones I found that I haven't followed up on. Like, you know, there are a few in Gerudo Town that I just cursorily did a little bit of and that I haven't come back to it. Okay. So there's a, there's really a lot in the game. You know, I mean, I'm not at the point where all I've got left to do is collect like 800 Korok seeds or something. You know, there's there's still more for me to do. Like, I looked at the hero's path yesterday because i played a bit yesterday just as another refresher and i realized like wow there's still huge areas of the map i've never been to like i realized i hadn't been to eventide island in this and i went to eventide island and then discovered like this whole like pirate base quest line you know and i was just like wow okay i didn't even realize this was here so yeah there's there's more right it's a huge game and 
I think in most other years, it would be a total slam dunk for Game of the Year. But this time it's got competition. <laughs> Serious competition. Yeah. I, I was not expecting... I was not expecting this to happen, but I don't know. Maybe Baldur's Gate 3? We'll have to see. Because Baldur's Gate... When was Baldur's Gate 2? Over 20 20 years ago, I think, isn't it? Actually, is it over 20 years ago? It must be close to 20 years at least. Because I I played it... I played it when I should have been doing my university finals. That's terrible. That's terrible. Which shows how old it was. No, not in terms of age. In terms of, that's that's dangerous because it's a big game. Yeah, I mean, imagine if I had actually failed my finals because of Baldur's Gate Two. What would my life be like? Would I be happier? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's hard because we had Breath of the Wild only six years ago. Only six. Even that's six years ago. So Baldur's Gate Three just just comes across fresher. Newer, better. Also true. But that's that's a story for another day. For next time. Oh, are we committing to it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I love the fact I love the fact that we said at the start of the year we're not gonna do this. You refuse to commit. And then you're the one who's committing to these. It's great. I'm fine with it. Let's commit. I already started. You already start you already started. Okay. So the next book club game <laughs> as announced by Ting, who said he wasn't gonna do this but has now done it twice in a row is Baldur's Gate 3 we're not we're not committing to finishing it though no we can't well at least you're not I mean I'm gonna try it's gonna ruin your finals it's gonna it's gonna ruin my career (laughs) (laughs) you see you're thinking about what happened with Baldur's Gate 2 it's happening with Baldur's Gate 3 no comment no comment (laughs) we were Lost Levels Club we still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on your podcasting platform. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. You can find us on X at Lost Levels Club. <laughs> it's weird saying that. Anywhere else? Reddit r slash Lost Levels Club. So Mike, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that we got to meet up in person unexpectedly, expectedly, unexpectedly. I don't know. We actually, we were actually both in Hong Kong at the same time and we went to a buffet. (laughs) Do you like buffets? I love buffets. Thank you for joining, uh, for coming along, Mike. Thank you for accompanying me. Yeah, I realized I love buffets too. I think I, I think this has opened like some whole new. Actually, I kind of already knew I love buffets, but like it's reminded me that I love buffets. I should go to more buffets. So Michael says bye, bye bye. <laughs>